ね Good afternoon. Good afternoon. We'd like to thank you for joining Mixed Culture Podcast with Roosevelt and Kimmy today. Today we're going to have a conversation about how to support new Americans in the Grand Forks community. And we're joined by Miss Rosina Tayapaya and Miss Cynthia Shab. We'll also be joined by Roosevelt via Zoom. Yes, hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Mixed Culture, guys. Good morning, Rosina and Cynthia. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Somebody just woke up, so it's morning from them somewhere. But yes, good afternoon. Good afternoon. So we're happy. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you thank for inviting you us. And so today we're here because both of your organizations, Arise Above Foundation and Global Friends Coalition, are doing some great things in the community. And we wanted to highlight what you guys are doing and um, just bring the resource forth so that other people, individuals can support your organizations and the individuals that you are supporting as well. So Rosina, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay. So my name is Rosina Tay Apia. And, and she said Apia, so that's okay. Rosina Tay Apia, I'm a Ghanaian. So I've been in Grand Fox for seven years. Uh, I'm a, yeah, I've been in Grand Fox for seven years. I'm a founder for Arise Above Foundation. No, some background noise. It's okay. It's okay. Keep going. Okay. So uh, I'm the founder for Arise Above Foundation. I'm a mental health therapist. I'm a mother, a Christian, and then a, a, an author too. So that is another hobby that I just uh, discovered by myself. Mm-hmm. I'm also an author and be coming out with some two great books very soon. Oh, so nice. That's who I am. Thank oh, you. awesome. You'll have to tell us more about those <laughs> books later in the show. Congratulations. Thank you. And Cynthia, can you tell us about yourself and where you're from and how you came to be in the field that you're in? Well, thank you. I don't think I have as much to say, oh even though I've gone through so many careers. This is the, my favorite career. Okay. I've been a teacher, a librarian, an administrator in the in the at the University of North Dakota, and I started volunteering with a Bhutanese family in 2010. Wow. And when I went to their house and saw their two dozen egg cartons on top of their stove, I was sold on being a volunteer. <laughs> it was July and hot. And not a good place to keep your eggs yeah. all, all the day. So um, that's really how it started uh, as a volunteer. And then I was hired in 2011 and haven't left Global Friends. Wow. Well, congratulations. congratulations. So we wanted to know just what inspired you. So have you, what inspired you to um, just join the social work field as well? Okay. And I, I will take us back to Africa, so everybody just think about Africa for a minute. So let me just take you through memory lane. So I, 
I have two organizations. So I have one in Ghana, and the name is also a non-profit, and the name is Dolly Foundation. So Dolly Foundation has been in Africa for 14 years, to be precise, in Ghana. So I quite remember growing up that that was when the feminist movement started, and we were back in a village. We are from the rural community, so there was not that much of empowerment thing going on. Mm-hmm. So one day I had, like, there was some discussion, and then, you know, we have more from the patriarchal system where we talk about men dominance in our culture system, so women are not allowed to talk. And then I had that boldness. For me, it has always been I'm in to defend other people. So during that time, I realized, okay, I can do something for my community because most of the women were more timid and they didn't want to do anything. I'm like, yeah, let me stand up for them. So the idea of I want to be the voice for the voiceless is what made me start Dolly Foundation. And so I started uh, the social work for about 14 years right now. And then unfortunately, or fortunately for me, I moved to Grand Fox. And then when I came to Grand Fox, I still was interested in the social work. So I went back to school and did my mastery in social work. And so I was still in the field. And I'm like, now I love being the nonprofit side of a person. Mm-hmm. So why don't I start another nonprofit here? And the, even the reason was also that I was not seeing any uh, African-oriented nonprofit organization mm-hmm. that really understand the culture of Africans, how to relate with Africans to understand us from that perspective. So I'm like, hey, let's go with something. So then I was thinking, what do I say? Arise. Because I'm an immigrant. So I know that there's much more systematic issues. Mm-hmm. We come into the country and there's so many things that are different from you. So then I decided, why don't I talk about, use the word arise above. So we have a lot of issues as Africans. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying, let me put that organization there and I'm going to inspire African people and say, we are going to arise above the challenges. Even though we are not in our country, we want to try. We want to make it successful. So that is what the name Arise Above came about. But I have... The nonprofit is as Dolly. So now I have two nonprofit, different names from different uh, country. Wow, that is amazing! Thank you for sharing your story. Yes, that is amazing. So, Cynthia, I know I wanted to just highlight um, what your organization does. Global Friends Coalition—they actually help families that are from other countries resettle into the Grand Forks community. So how does your organization do that exactly? So this is relatively new for Mm -hmm. us. You know, in um, uh, 2016, with the presidential election of Donald Trump, refugee resettlement plummeted, Mm -hmm. and there weren't refugees being resettled anywhere, really. Okay? And so in 2021, Lutheran Social Services of North Dakota closed its doors. Mm -hmm. Um, At the same time, it was the greatest time for displacement. People all over the world, not in any one particular country, mm-hmm. just between war and um, economic disaster, environmental mm-hmm. disasters, uh, people were displaced. We could think about the wars, um, but we won't right now name all those. Right. And so Global Friends Coalition uh, decided that it was time to bring refugee resettlement back to Grand Forks. We are now an affiliate of Church World Service, which is a large group who uh, works all over the country and, and helps with resettlement. Okay. So our job is basically the first 90 days, um, helping people to get here from the point of arrival at the airport. We greet them all the way till, you know, they, we give them an apartment, is furnished, 
Um, and then we help them get kids enrolled in school, get adults enrolled in English classes. Wow. Okay. Connect them to resources. Make sure that they're on public benefits because they have very little money and very few belongings when they first get here. Mm-hmm. They basically come sure. with very, very little. Okay. And so that's, that's our first 90 days. But now we also, true to our mission mm-hmm. of helping people become part of the community, we go beyond 90 days and help people all along the way uh, with, with jobs, getting better jobs. Um, it can be as simple as opening the mail. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Right. You don't think about stuff like that, right? Well, think about where you, you know, many African countries, there isn't mail, <laughs> I guess. Um, what I've heard is there's no paper like what United States has. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're just, the government has a lot of paperwork, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so right. to fill out those forms is almost impossible. So mm-hmm. it's an array of things that we help with. Okay. Yeah, because I was reading that you guys do uh, immigration legal services. You are partially accredited through the DOJ, the Department of Justice, for those that are listening, to help immigrants with legal paperwork. That is correct. So what we're considered right now is a legal desert because there are no immigration attorneys Mm -hmm. uh, really practically in the whole state of North Dakota to help with free and reduced cost immigration legal services. And there are two of us in our office who are partially accredited legal representatives. So we can do limited work, just like it says, but we can help people file for citizenship, renew green cards, um, replace green cards, Employment authorization documents, there's an array of things that we can do. There's also a long list of things that we cannot do legally. Mm-hmm. But um, I think it's been a real help to, uh, to Greater Grand Forks. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Rosina, um, when you first got here, were there any challenges that you experienced? <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> the first thing I would say is the weather. You know, it Ghana is, is, is a tropical country. Yeah. So when I first got in, I, I went to Maryland. From Maryland, I went to Georgia. And I'm like, oh, the American is so nice because Georgia and uh-huh. my country have the same tropical style. So I'm like, oh, I'm happy. And then my husband said, no, 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 we're not going to be in Georgia. We're going to Grand Fox. I'm like, what a grounds and a fork? He said, yes, so we're going to be. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so we came here. And unfortunately, I was uh, visited by uh, snow. Oh. My first time, I wanted to cry. It was, it was too much to handle because I had no support. It was me and my husband. Mm. But he has been in America for a long time. So I came in. I know nobody. And that was very hard for me to go through. But, so, but for me, I was lucky that my husband had been here for almost about 15 years. Mm-hmm. So he, he guided me through the process. And so it was easy for me. But if I had to speak for other Africans, I'm telling you, it's hard. The transition from your country to a different country is so hard. And it's difficult for us to even have the support system. Mm-hmm. So I would say that the support system is one thing. The systematic infrastructures that, you know, for us Africans, you just said, we don't do a lot of paperwork. It's, it's very simple. And you go here, it's everything is computerized. Or you get somebody sitting there and even filling for you. Mm-hmm. But here in America, it's like fill it yourself, read and all those things. So that is a very big uh, barrier for us as Africans. So those I did not experience, but other friends of mine went through that. And so I'm very grateful for Global Friends 
that they are really doing that to support yeah. us as Africans and also bring bringing that sense of belonging because mm-hmm. Africans are really people that really believe in that common goal of belongingness. But when you come to America, to be honest with you, you lose that tie because it's by yourself. You wake up in the morning, in the afternoon, you don't even see anybody to say hi. But in Africa, I can stand in my house and I'll talk to another neighbor. Hey, how are you doing? How is it? But here, it's quite different. So the culture, the system, everything is different. Mm-hmm. But we are trying to thrive because we got good people here helping us to thrive through. Yeah, that's amazing. I um, know that you put on many events throughout the year, Cynthia, to help kind of integrate immigrants or new Americans um, and the community. So they're like more, there's more, I guess, collaboration. There's more conversation. So there's more integration, so to speak. Um, can you talk about any upcoming events that you you have you have going on and anything that um, you've done in the past to help support um, new Americans settling in? Well, we do have an event coming up on Monday, but it's not an open event. Okay. Because if we open it up, then we have to make sure we follow all the public health rules. Got it. <laughs> so we are having our first Thanksgiving meal uh, for folks that have come this year as refugees. Okay. It is limited right now to our refugee community mm-hmm. and their volunteers and their volunteer supporters. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, people who have either driven them to English classes, taken them to a medical appointment, helping teach English. Um, going to their homes and helping with, with mail, purchasing food. I mean, we have an array of people that have really come together to make sure that people feel welcome and don't have to navigate some of those systems on their own. Mm-hmm. You talked about the weather, weather Rosina. So we, we are providing a winter coat, gloves or mittens, and a hat um, now right off the plane mm-hmm. because now it's cold, right? It is cold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I know Rosina talked about Africa, but where are some? Of, what, is it, what are some of the other countries where we're seeing families come from? So we have a lot of Central and South American families. So El Salvador, Venezuela, Guatemala, um, Nicaragua, Colombia. I think those are kind of our main ones. But we also have a Syrian and, and Pakistan Pakistani family. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are expecting a family from the Democratic Republic of the Congo. But the majority of our 51 individuals that we resettled since May of 2023 mm-hmm. uh, to September 30th were from those Central and South American countries. Again, hot, you know, very mm-hmm. different weather. Mm-hmm. Where they, they really, Guatemala, I've heard, is like beautiful 12 mm-hmm. months out of the year. So people are scared of the weather right now. Yeah. I know um, when I first moved to... Oh, go ahead, Roosevelt. Uh, Miss Cynthia, so I was, as I was uh, looking over information, I was uh, wondering uh, how many, since you've been with the uh, Ground Force Coalition, how many refugees do you think you guys have resettled? So from, from May uh, 2023 till September 30th, we had 51 individuals or 17 families. Um, we are slotted or slated to receive 100 individuals in 2024. So the fiscal year for the federal government already has started October 1st. So we've received seven people so far, welcomed seven people um, beginning in October. Uh, we have a family coming up on uh 
December 12th, but I, oh, we have one on November 29th as well. Mm. So it's going to be pretty steady. So there's a big push right now to get refugees through the system mm -hmm. uh, before their time runs out. So for refugee resettlement, you only have a certain amount of time before you have to start the processes all over again. Wow. By that, I mean all the safety checks, all the health checks. So it's really hard when there's a, like a ban or a close on, on a particular culture group mm -hmm. uh, because they have to do it all over again. And that's very wearing on your psyche and on your family and yeah. mental health. Yeah, I guess I personally really don't know very much about like how the process even begins or like how it even starts. Are you familiar with that at all? So, you know, you have to live in a, a country or a place where you are either being persecuted or there's war or you, and you are displaced mm -hmm. for whatever reason. For many of our El Salvadorian, our Guatemalan and El Salvadorian and uh, Central and South American families, they, they are, there's extortion, there's um, kidnapping going on. I mean, it, it's pretty heavy duty Wow. reasons to flee your country. Mm -hmm. So they're fleeing for safety and they go to a neighboring country for the most, you know, that's the closest neighboring country. Mm -hmm. And then they, they have to apply to the um, uh, UNHCR, United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees. Mm -hmm. And so not everybody who applies gets eligible to be considered a refugee. Mm. And then once they are eligible, then there's a lot of background checks and a lot of health checks. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a whole process. Okay. Well, it says here through the United Nations High Commission for Refugees, they reported that over 100 million people were displaced by war, violence, persecution, and human rights abuses. So like the number, you're saying 60, maybe 70, you know, a year, that's like just putting a little small dent in it. I know. It's kind of hard to wake up with that thought every morning. Yeah. Except that, you know, the families that do come, they're very grateful. We've had people say, I feel like I'm in a movie. Mm. Um, uh, just because, you know, they're free it's, from that. It's unreal. It, yeah. Yeah. The terror has been removed, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not saying it's easy moving forward, but at least right here, they don't have to worry about you know, hopefully who's after them. Right. It's, or, it's yeah. a lot safer. Mm -hmm. well, they feel safe. Right. right. And that's really important. Well, in light of currently what's going on, I mean, honestly, there's nothing really light about what's going on between, um, we, we know actively there are two wars going on between two, you know, between four countries, right? Mm -hmm. We have um, Ukraine and we have Russia and now we have Israel and Gaza. Um, and so, I mean, how have we seen any refugees or anybody displaced from those communities at all? So, unfortunately, it takes years to become a refugee. Really? So, you know, when, when Ukraine, everybody thought, oh, we would be getting all these Ukrainian um, refugees. Mm -hmm. Again, they have to work through the system, but... President Biden has made some exceptions, some parolee programs that you might have, you know, heard about. So mm -hmm. you, some Ukrainians did come through that program. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, the, the Bhutanese who fled to Nepal lived in refugee camps upwards of 30 years. Wow. Think about Somali, 
Somalia and the, the war-torn country of Somalia. People lived in Kenya or Ethiopia or a surrounding country for years before they were um, allowed to come to another country. The goal of refugee resettlement nationally, internationally, is always to allow them to go back to their home country because isn't that where we'd all want to be? Yeah. You know, back at, to our homes, right? Yeah. So that's the first goal. The second goal is to repatriate in the country that you've gone to. The third choice is to go to a different country, to come to the United States, to a different country entirely. Mm-hmm. And that, that's part of what um, you were talking about, Rosina, in just getting familiar with another country. It's just so much easier just to be where you right, go started. Back, go back home. Right. It's easier, for sure. Roosevelt, did you have any uh, questions or you have anything that you wanted to add to that? Uh, Miss, no, just, so I wanted to go to Miss Rosina and I wanted her to speak on uh, a rise above. Uh, you know what? You know, what is a rise above doing, you know, currently right now? So, you know, maybe help some of the refugees that, that's coming down. Yes. So thank you so much. Uh, just like I said, a rise above is a nonprofit. And our main goal is to uh, work with programs. So we're looking at social interventions. So beyond just the refugees and the immigrants, that comes with some social problems. So for our rise above, our main objective or goals were to develop social interventions that we can implement within the communities, like education, like health, like any other social intervention that these immigrants need. So that was our first call. And then Again, we're able to have the privilege to work with uh, behavior health. So we work with community to connect and free to recovery. So for free to recovery and community to connect, it's not for immigrants, but it's for the whole uh, people here, population here in Grand Fox. And so when we talk about community to connect, it's more about helping individuals that have mental struggles, like if they're being diagnosed or not, and they are struggling with resources. So what Arise Above Foundation does is that we connect these individuals to resources, like helping them with SNAP, EBT, Medicare, and then even helping them with transportation. And also we have peer support that, that have a live experience. So when I say, like, maybe let's like somebody who's going through mental health issues like depression and anxiety, then this peer support goes to them, talk to them, use their life as an example, and say, hey, we got you, we can help you navigate through community. So our goal is to help every individual struggling with mental health, struggling with any kind of diagnosed mental health, or even struggling to even get themselves up there. The lack of motivation is something that's very important, so we do that to support them. And then with refugees, what we do with refugees is that because we are more of the African-oriented organization, we understand them from the culture perspective, we understand them how to navigate through the system, give them the support. So for us, it's more of like a holistic approach. So we are not only looking at just helping individuals. We can do the settlement because that's not our goal, but what we do is that in terms with Cynthia, if Cynthia helps these individuals settle in and they are so struggling to even have somebody to talk to, still needs help with their day-to-day life because the fact that people get settled does not mean that's the end of it. Because a lot of us as Africans, we go through a lot of mental issues, but because uh, mental health has been stigmatized way back in, yeah. in our country, we don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so Arise Above is there. That's here as well. Yeah. You can go ahead, please. No, I was just saying that's here as well. You know, mental health is, is definitely is like, uh, I'm not sure why uh, as a, a nation we don't pay more attention to it. 
I think on TikTok is kind of, you know, TikTok is kind of booming with mental health things right now. But I just appreciate you you speaking to that as far as just on the African side, but also in America as well. I'm not sure. Why do you think that's that that stigma is there? Like mental health is not important. Okay, well, we don't say mental health is not important. I would say it's a lack of information and a lack of awareness. Because I, I want to talk from, tackle it from the African perspective. For us as Africans, the moment you say somebody is having a mental health breakdown, we think the person is mad. We, we don't, we, there's no way anybody going through depression, anxiety, loneliness. For us, if somebody dies, we say, oh, sorry. It's okay. We're going to get it through. And the reason we do that is because of that, the way we build our community back home. You have individuals to talk to. You go to the church. Somebody is there to hug you. Somebody is there to come and stay with you. So because of the way our culture was embedded with people, it's easy for us to move along. So we have never even taken our time to say, hold on a minute. I used to be able to get up at 6 o'clock, but now I'm getting up at 10. What's the problem? We don't ask those questions because we feel that it's normal to go through that. So we're never encouraged to speak out. And so that has been the issue. But now we are getting to understand that the fact that I'm not able to do this that I used to do, that means I'm having some kind of issues. I'm struggling with other stuff. So that is where the stigma comes in. So for us, we don't see mental health as a problem until we know that you are naked walking on the street. But now people are really acknowledging the fact that I don't need to just naked myself on the street <laughs> before I feel like I, I need uh, help with mental health. And again, to our culture, in terms of our culture and our religiosity, Africans are more religious people. And we believe that everything can be solved through prayer. True. So we, we hold high esteem, our religious leaders, and so if I'm, having, I'm going through some depression, I want to go to the pastor, and I want to receive the Holy Spirit baptism, and I feel like the fact that I have been prayed to, my mental health issues have been going to disappear. So it is very difficult for Africans to really understand that it's good to go for prayer, it's good to have that connection to the inner spirit, but it's also good to have a, a more practical approach to mental health. So that has been the issue with regards to that. So that's what has been a struggle for us. So to us as uh, a rise above, and lucky enough, I am a mental health therapist. So that comes as a bonus for me working with people because then I'm able to understand them from the culture perspective and then understand them as a mental health practitioner. So that's the two things that I'm really combining it together and leading a rise above foundation to be able to help Africans, help everybody here in Grand Force to understand what mental health is about and the impact on us as individuals. Thank you. Thanks. Cynthia, so some of those uh, things that we've been seeing and the things that we talk about, Rosina mentioned it, stigma. Um, then there's also the language barriers, right? Um, how have has the Grand Forks community helped to address those um, as far as like culturally diverse, being culturally diverse or um, professionals in the field? Um, are the refugees or new Americans that are being resettled here, are they able to connect with mental health providers? That's a lot. That's a tough question. And I don't know that I have the answer for that. Um, you know, we have some, we have some challenging cases that mm -hmm. come to my mind. And, uh, well, Rosina mentioned prayer. I'm just going to give you one example that, uh, you know, I was told once, and this was uh, by a Somali mm -hmm. um, gentleman, that he just prayed, he was just praying it away. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
it wasn't working, okay. right? Um, and so it wasn't until he, he did admit that he was just not himself that he got help. Mm-hmm. But that took a long time, and it took some work just, uh, just in conversation, kind of that reassuring that, you know, there, there are other options out there. And it, yes, you know, you could go to a mental health provider who's not a priest or a, or a, a, a person of mm-hmm. faith, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, and still get help because they are trained in the field. Mm-hmm. But not everybody, not everybody, you know, subscribes to that. Yeah. Um, I think that some of the people that we're seeing right now, they've had such such trauma in their lives, and they've seen some pretty tough situations yeah. or, or lost a family member and don't even know where that family member is. Um, I don't think we, I don't know that we're totally prepared for that. You mentioned interpretation. Interpretation is tough. Some of the words for depression in some languages don't even calculate. Okay. Uh, I know that for a fact for the Nepali-speaking um, Bhutanese. They didn't have a word for depression. And sad does not equate depression. You know, I can be sad, but I'm not, you know, getting up at 10 o'clock instead of at 7 o'clock. Or, you know. Right. So I... I there, there are some big issues that I don't think I don't want to paint a real rosy picture because yeah. I, I think we, we just don't know yet, um, okay. and, and also it's expensive, yeah, to get some of these services. And some, and we, we were having a conversation in the office today. Is Medicaid going to cover for some of these services? Uh, we, we just don't. Yeah. We Medicaid just do. So do they? So does Medicaid? Like I know you said. One day one to day ninety, and now you're providing services after. How long are they able to receive funding from or support from like Medicaid and SNAP and EBT? Well, it depends on how much income you make. Okay, so it's not just a ninety day program for them. Oh, they no, can no, continue no. on for the same five years that anybody else can. You can, you can be on any public benefit as long as your income level is below. The okay. chal- the challenge is. Some of the people might have a really good job for a while, and then they get off of uh, their EBT card or Medicaid or whatever public benefit, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but then sometimes jobs aren't regular. You know, we, we have people working in um, hospitality, for mm-hmm. example. Well, weekends, maybe, maybe you get good hours on the weekend mm-hmm. because people are staying in hotels, but, but then during the week, your hours drop. So you, you could have a period of time where you're making... Too much, too much in quotation marks. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, um, too much money, and then you get it taken away. But you need that support. I find it to be a catch twenty two. Mm-hmm. Like just when somebody gets up, you know, pulls up and is doing okay, you snatch all the support. You take, they have. you take it away. You take yeah. it, al- and then they're back to where they were. Mm-hmm. So I don't. I mean, I'd have many suggestions for the federal government. <laughs> I think we all do. Yeah. <laughs> Transportation is an issue. You know, just getting around um, Grand Forks is an issue in terms of staying economically sound. That is true, because it not only affects just new Americans, it affects current Americans <laughs> that have lived here that are citizens and been here their entire lives. Right. So, yeah, um, living in a rural area. And even though we have bus transportation, I mean, some people just don't know how to take public transportation. 
Well, and buses don't always go to workplaces. So none of the like the manufacturing companies, mm-hmm. their 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 shifts are different than the bus system runs. Their location is outside the bus mm-hmm. system. We've had a lot of people need help getting to their workplaces. What you're saying is we should attend city meetings and 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 ask for these things. I think transportation is a real issue, but I think the business community is going to have to step up. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You hear that business community? Step up. Right. <laughs> Hopefully they're listening, right? <laughs> so, let's see. What else? Rosina, you wrote a book. Tell oh, us about okay. that. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I have two books that I'm, I'm currently working on. I didn't really know that I had that gifts anyway, but I think it just came naturally when I decided, like, you know what? It's time to just get the information out there, educate one or two people, and just let's empower ourselves. So I have two books. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I am a Christian, I felt like my first book should rather be centered on Christianity because I, I am really a fan of the family system. And for us as Africans, there is so many different approaches to us as living in the family system. And one aspect that a lot of us as African men struggle with is the word submission. So when the word submission comes in, it really has a lot of uh, debates going on, especially we Africans moving from our country here to America because back in Ghana, submission is easy as a woman because the men, that's almost like 90% of taking care of the home. Mm-hmm. We, we, we are there, and then the man goes there, hand, work, and bring the money home. And our job as women is to really take care of the family. It's not that uh, other women are not going into the workforce, mm-hmm. so that it's easy for men and then women to really maintain the family system. But the moment we move here to America, it becomes a 50-50 game. Mm. And when the 50-50 game comes in, the African woman is, is really torn in between, and it's like... How do I pay 50? You pay 50? And then I still can't have my, my control. I still can't do what I want to do. I still can't be this. And then the African man still wants the African woman to still pay the 50-50 and still be treated as the king. So I felt like, okay, this dynamics is, is very, very interesting. So I'm like, I need to really come in there and just, and just share my thoughts. So the first book is uh, The Voice of Submission. The voice of the submission. The voice of submission. And then the, the subtitle is Discover the Fundamental Things Women Want Men to Know and to Do to Ignite Their Submission. Okay. So it's a 21-chapter it's a that I'm working on. So it's, it's a whole new book. So it's for non-Christians, Christians, any person, anybody that really wants to maintain their family. Mm-hmm. Because to me, I believe that when the family system is really in that equilibrium, Mm-hmm. Or in that in that uh, state of balance, then we can really thrive. When the family is working, mental health issues are really going to reduce because there's a happy home. And one thing that I I tell people that build a strong child. Don't don't work on a repair man. I'm, I want to repeat it again. Mm-hmm. Build a strong child. Don't work on a repaired man. And that's what we've been doing now. 
build a strong child. child. Not a so you don't have to work on a prepared, a prepared man. man. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes, yes. The whole concept is that if if we get the family in that balance, the family in that system where everybody knows their role. The man knows his role. The woman knows their role. And then the family, the children comes in. You mm-hmm. don't, then these children are not going to thrive in a traumatic environment. Because for me, as a mental health therapist, I believe in the in-person environment. And I believe that in socialization, whatever it's been preached to the child, the child grows with it. So the issue is that why don't we help the family to really balance it? And have that holistic approach and be able to understand this my role is um, this is my role as a mother, this is my role as a wife. So the moment these things are working well, then you don't need to repair a man in his thirties, but you are building a child. So that child comes out of a traumatic environment. So that's one aspect of it. So the, the submission not only talks about women be submissive, the biblical aspect of it, but it talks about intimacy, your role, the misconception about submission. So it's a whole book. Okay. And, and very soon, like in two weeks, I'm going to launch that. And then the other mm-hmm. one is more for the African, is beyond the stigma. Mm-hmm. And so this one is talking about a new look at mental health in the African perspective. Wow. So... So I, I'm looking at the Christian aspect and also hammering on mental health for us as African because there's a lot of stigma for us as African when it comes to mental health. Mm-hmm. So if I spill everything, then people are getting it for free. So <laughs> we're going to go deeper into that. So maybe by the end of November, the submission will come out. And then December, I'm going to launch the Beyond the Stigma. But the whole unveiling of my two books will be done in, on, during my birthday in next year, April. So I will invite all of you to come in and then we'll do the unveiling and also celebrating my milestone in life. Nice. So that, that, I'm not going to tell you the age, so that's my secret. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so if you ask me, these are the two books that I'm working on, but there are more that I'll be looking into, especially in that aspect of mental health. So I might work on kids and how to help you parenting mm-hmm. because parenting here in America is different. I'm I telling you. I think you're speaking to assimilation <laughs> or acculturation. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, the, and, and a lot of us as African mothers don't even know how to parent here in the American system. And it's a lot of issues going on. So, I, I'm really working on different, different books mm-hmm. so that it becomes like a form of a knowledge base. So, anybody that is struggling, we might not going to be there every time. I'm, even as a mental health therapist, I, c- I can't take care of more than 10 or 20 people. In a week, the mm-hmm. mass I can do is maybe 30, 30 people a week. So imagine the population of uh, Grand Fox. So even if I'm supposed to really step in and help, I can't help everybody. But if the book goes out there, it can help a lot. So you can read it and get a little basic knowledge, and you can run with it. And when we get a chance and get more therapists coming in here, especially black therapists, then we can also help our black community. Congratulations, Rosina. Thank you. Congratulations. We'll be Congratulations. looking out for those books wait. in uh, April, Definitely. right? Yeah. April. April is the launch. Both of them coming out in April? No, the, the, the submission is coming on at the end of this month, and then the stigma, okay. the young stigma is December, but I'm going to really unveil the two books in uh, April 12th. That's my birthday, and it's a milestone for me <laughs> in terms of age. So that's why I really want to have that. Um, yeah, we got to celebrate. You definitely got to celebrate, Rosanna. You've done some amazing things. 
in not just this country, but in Ghana as well. Yeah. I see you as uh, one of like uh, a panelist, you know, used to go on uh, like talk radio and things like that as well. Can you speak to that a little bit? Oh, okay. So that was something. I am also a politician. And <laughs> I, I did. So Rosie has a little bit of different aspect of me. So I've been a politician in Ghana mm-hmm. and, and then I contested for member of parliament. Unfortunately, I did not win. So I love politics. So uh, I've been on the radio for more than about 14 years. I still do radio podcast for a radio station in Atlanta, Georgia called Four Star Radio. And that is, uh, with that, I do political talk show. So when it comes there, I am a different person because then we handle <laughs> political things in Ghana and we try as much as possible to really uh, push our leaders back home to let them know it is doable because we have seen a lot of changes and I, I can attest to the system and how things work here in America. So there I put on my political suit and then we try to challenge the the leadership a little bit, push them to make things work so that there wouldn't be war, there wouldn't be feminine, there wouldn't be a lot of stuff for us to run here and start life all over. So that's aspect that I do when it comes to the radio stuff here in the U.S. and in Ghana. Thank you, Rosanna. Thank you. Do you have any questions for Cynthia? Do you, do you have any, anything that you want to add to that, Cynthia? That's hard to beat. I haven't written two books. <laughs> well, you would you have any recommendations for programs or practices that can like help support um, new Americans as they resettle here? You know, one thing I always stress is just be welcoming. So when you see somebody mm-hmm. who looks maybe a little different than you, give them a smile, say hello. Uh, one of my uh, real standout memories was placing a volunteer with, with, a, with a young woman. And she said, I feel like a statue. People look at me mm. when they walk by, you know, like I'm a statue. Yeah. What's wrong with saying a little, you know, a little hello or um, even just the smile, right? That yeah. makes a huge yeah. difference. I think we get so caught up in yeah. our day-to-day activities and the things that we have going on in our, in our own lives. We forget just to be human. Just to smile. Mm-hmm. Just a smile. Just to know that we're good. You know, in America, go to the grocery store, go to go to Walmart, go to any store. Just look at the the choices. How do you choose a shampoo when you first come here? How what? <laughs> it's there's, a lot. It's there's a lot. like oil for hair, straighteners, uh, bleached mm-hmm. hair, um, frizzy hair, straight hair. I mean, the the yeah. list goes on and on and on, right? I, I mean, again, I was. Yeah, I was standing at, at the, you know, getting looking at for shampoo, and somebody said, what kind of shampoo should I get here? So, you know, I, I was like, well, you sure don't need this. <laughs> it was like for dyed hair. <laughs> so it, it, it's, if you have a, and I'm not saying I do it right all the time, mm-hmm. because sometimes I'm in and out of stores, right? Yeah. But if you have that presence to um, just pause a little bit and look around and, and take a moment, uh, see what your neighbors are doing. No, not necessarily your physical mm-hmm. neighbors, although that's not a bad thing either. Um, okay. Yep. How can individuals get in contact with you if they wanted to volunteer? We are looking for volunteers. Again, people to help uh, drive people to appointments, but just a simple once a week going to visit somebody, spending an hour, an hour and a half with somebody in their homes. It might be as simple as um, talking words. Uh, pronunciation is really big. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the people... Actually, most of the people that we've resettled uh, this year 
had very little English. Okay. Um, and so they, they struggle with just pronunciation of some of the words. I went to one apartment um, a couple weeks ago, and he had labeled everything. Refrigerator, stove, um, lamp. Everything was labeled table. But he, he didn't know how to say the words. Uh-huh. But he looked them all up in a Spanish-English dictionary that we, give, that we gave him. Mm-hmm. So um, we, we need volunteers, and you can contact us. You can go to info, I-N-F-O, info, at gfcoalition.org and send an email. Or go to our website. You've done a great job um, looking at our website. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. <laughs> both, both Kimmy and Roosevelt looked at our website. Uh, you can, there's a Get Involved tab, and you can um, click it to volunteer. Awesome. There should be links in the show description as well. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Correct. Rosina, are you looking for volunteers? I yes, know that you're do. looking for <laughs> peer support. Yes. And and that was like, oh, Cynthia, we can still work together because for a rise above we just got funding to do a peer support program. Okay. So uh, we have funding, we are looking for two more uh, volunteers. But we want people that have le- have a leave experience, and then we we're going to look at your organization and do the collaboration. So the peer support, what it does is that they want to uh, connect with new uh, immigrants or refugees that need help, a hello, a talk. So these are going to be people that have really uh, refugees that have lived here like two or three years, and they have gotten accustomed to the system, and then they are ready to share. So since I think we're already going to start a collaboration, <laughs> so don't worry about that. We have the funding, so we get the volunteers. By the end of the month, we will train them for peer support. And when you are ready, bring those people along our way. And our volunteers will do justice with them. They will spend time with them. They will encourage them. And they will walk them through the life of ground folks. Mm-hmm. That is awesome. And so this grant is funded through the Department of Health and Human yes. Services. Yes. Oh, that is amazing. Yeah, we got that grant, a, yeah. a, a portion of the grant, too. Oh, congratulations. Both of you guys. Congratulations. Yeah. Right, okay. You remember I so went I to guess that would lead, Yeah. Go ahead, that would, please. That would, lead, that would lead me into my next question before we get out of here. How do you guys work hand-in-hand together? Or is that mm-hmm. do you guys do? Do you guys work hand-in-hand together? Okay, I think we are even in the same uh, office block. We're 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 neighbors. So, yeah, we are neighbors already. So, so a rise above is at eighteen oh seven Demers yeah. Avenue, and Global Friends Coalition is at eighteen fifteen yeah. Demers Avenue. So they're literally like there's one business in between the, the yeah. two spaces. So when you talk about collaboration, you know we just started organization. And we are just having our funding. And I think that before I put in the grant, I even uh, went and talked to uh, Cynthia about that. So there's a portion in our grant where we have to meet with Cynthia organization, and then she's going to help us identify refugees that are already here, and then we'll connect with them. So already we agreed on that. or It was just a talk, but it has come into fusion because we're not sure if we're going to get a grant. So Cynthia and our Rise Above Foundation, we've got in the grant, and we're going to sit down together and then get to see what we can do together to help immigrants, refugees, and other individuals within the community. So just just be watching out for us. I believe that we can do more. Yeah, You guys are going to do some amazing things yeah. together because you're already doing amazing things apart. Yeah. We want to thank you for everything that you are doing in the community to support these individuals and families. And if there's anything that we can do here in Mixed Culture or GFBS, please let us know. We'd be more than happy to support you. Well, thank thank you. you so much. Definitely. Definitely. And I think I want again I want to thank you ladies for coming in to Mixed Coach and 
sharing this episode with us because it's so dear to our heart that people need to know that, you know, uh, these uh, organizations are here and are helping. You, know, we, you guys are hands-on. You guys are out there in the trenches and uh, getting these people empowered, uh, transforming and disciplining these people. And also you guys are educating, empowering, and embracing them. So I want to thank you guys again. Thank, thank you, you so thank you. much. Thank you so much for having us. Guys, if you like what you heard today, please like, subscribe, share. We are on YouTube at Mixed, mixed underscore Culture 2023. We're on Facebook, Mixed Culture. Mixed with Culture, Roosevelt, and Kimmy. And Kimmy. We're also on uh, Amazon Music. We're on Podbean. We're on Spotify. Please like, follow, and we'd love to hear what uh, suggestions you may have for future shows. And just let us know what you think. Thanks so much for joining us today. And everybody, go out and be great. I just want to end it with simple exchanges can break down walls between us. But when people come together and speak to one another and share a common experience in their community, in their common humanity is revealed. And that was uh, a comment through Barack Obama.